Welcome to Voices of Esalen, the podcast where we explore the cutting edge ideas and practices of the world's leading thinkers and doers. I'm your host, Sam Stern. Today, our guest is Bill Donius, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Thought Revolution. In this book, Donius explains the science behind non-dominant handwriting and teaches how to incorporate this powerful technique into your personal lives. Through the simple process of non-dominant handwriting, you can discover how to connect more fully with your subconscious right brain, unlocking hidden talents, reducing stress, and even healing from trauma. In this episode, we're going to feature a process that Bill Donius goes through with a Voices of Esalen listener, oncology nurse and meditation teacher, Nicole Longbine. So get ready to unlock your hidden brain power and join us as we dive into the world of thought revolution with Bill Donius. Bill Donius, my friend, thank you so much for joining us today on, on Voices of Esalen. It's a pleasure to see you and be with you. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you. Bill, what we're going to talk about today is, is the work that you do as a workshop leader. You are also a, a member of the Esalen Board of Trustees and a respected member of the community. But today we'll go into the work that you do as a workshop leader. You're the author of a book, Thought Revolution, How to Unlock Your Inner Genius. Yeah. Talk to me about the work that you do. Sure. Thanks for the question. It, and I'm a fan of, of your podcast, by the way. So when you reached out, I was like, absolutely, I'd like to do this. It emanates from the work that I did in therapy 24 years ago. And I capitulated and went into therapy, had, was doing well in my life and in business uh, ostensibly, but was not doing so great in my personal life and specifically with intimate relationships. So I pulled out the card that it was in my wallet for five years and called the therapist and went to see her to try to uh, attend to the problem and ultimately did. However, what really expedited the work was when she gave me a book that was titled Recovery of Your Inner Child. And it really helped me understand the, the trauma that happened to me as a younger person, which, and not surprisingly, since it happened so young and ended before age seven, I had no conscious memories of that. So it was it, it, the consequence, it was harder to work on what you don't even know necessarily happened to you, but all the signs and symptoms were there. And when it did come out, she was like, well, you've kind of fit the DSM profile 13 out of the 15 times for abuse. So it made sense. Uh, and then I ultimately ended up studying with Lucia Capacnione, the author thereafter. It was actually 10 years later after I finished my career in banking. And what I really realized is that the importance of contact, because I learned this in a therapeutic setting and because it was about trauma and abuse, I really wasn't talking about it in my professional life as a banker. And it took me approaching a problem at the bank that I thought, wow, I wonder if I should use that uh, process I learned in therapy on this business problem. And when I did and it worked well, mm. I thought, oh, okay, so this is really a thinking process. And to describe it, it's about learning how to activate the neural pathways to the right side of the brain, mm. which is thought to be where creativity, intuition, problem solving, artistry, higher consciousness all exist. And, you know, there's a, a lot of discussion and some, some have even said that that uh, Nobel Prize winning discovery by Dr. Roger Sperry in 1981 has now been debunked in certain ways and maybe it doesn't work and maybe all these regions of the brain, we still don't fully understand the executive center and the prefrontal cortex and uh, how the corpus callosum brings all of that together. And my my feeling has always been kind of as, as, the, as more of a practical business guy. If something's working, judge it based on that result rather than, and I'm not a scientist nor a psychologist. So I'm, I'm kind of like a, basically finding and discovering kind of a, a user's operator manual, if you will, for the brain. And it was working so well for me that I just used it personally for 10 years, but didn't talk about it. And so it was only after I was looking at what I wanted to do next in life, and I did a retreat and tried to figure out what I wanted to do next in life, that that idea of helping others and using this process to help others kind of surfaced at a retreat in Santa Fe. And 
decided to follow that and did 200 interviews and three over three years, it resulted in the book. And since then, I've been teaching this process and advocating for the right brain. So how does one access the, the right brain? What, what kind of physical exercises do you use to do that? Fortunately, it's really simple and on one level and, and difficult on another because it, it means that somebody has to be willing to let go. And it's especially hard for type A's of which I'm one myself is we have to be willing to let go of that process that knows the answer is going to solve it quickly and going to jump into all of that and be willing to allow from a different state, that state of flow for an answer, what it feels like flowing from the right side of the brain through the neural pathways and interestingly through the non-dominant hand and onto the page. Mm. So it's possible for using this process for, for me to ask you a question. I know you've done this work with me before, and we can even do some more here if you want to, to on this podcast, but it's possible for me to ask you a question, you be thoughtful about it, write down your answer, and then activate this process, presumably activate the right side of your brain and get a completely different answer. And moreover, it's oftentimes an, an answer that's more descriptive and representational for how you are in life than the one you gave just a minute before being thoughtful about it. So it's all about grasping a pen, asking yourself questions, and then using your non-dominant hand to answer the question? Yes, in a, in a simplistic way, but you, you have to be willing to let go and be willing to have that spaciousness that may take two seconds, it may take 60 seconds for an answer to flow forth from brain to hand to page. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what happens in your, your Esalen workshops. How is it structured and what kind of material do people want to tackle? It's an entire waterfront of issues. Uh, the last one, uh, weeks ago, there were 60 people in the workshop. And so as you might imagine from, from fortunately, it was fascinating because it's every walk of life, multi-ethnic, multi-gender. So people are bringing all the baggage from their lives and the, it's positioned as meet your better half, learn how to activate the right side of your brain and to solve problems and work through those limiting behaviors. And, and that's exactly what we do. In my sort of parlance, it's for those of us that believe there is more to life than maybe the life we've been living. We know our soul's journey maybe has more involved than the trajectory we've been on, kind of trudging through the day-to-day -day and garden variety issues and problems, and especially those that we haven't otherwise solved. So this presents an opportunity to really tackle head-on those things, learning a new technique that's super fast and, and super powerful. So in the workshop, first part, the first night is just getting people comfortable with one another and being willing to be open-minded because as strange as it may sound, it's, 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 it's not easy for people to make this leap with me to even want to try something like this and, and believe it's possible even. So I have to explain the background, the science, the psychology, the, you know, 50 years worth of development in a condensed format to just give, I think, give people permission for themselves to kind of go there. It's an opening for whatever they want to take on and it, however deep they want to go. I offer over the course of the weekend um, questions like, what is the highest and best purpose in my life? What problems have I pushed under the rug and don't want to take on? Or what am I limiting behaviors? Or why haven't I forgiven this person? Or why am I in a relationship with this person that is not good for me? We go really deep and identifying and looking at those issues and people learn from each other. I know this is a little bit tricky to talk about because you want to respect the confidentiality of the group, but I'm just curious about what things that people might have attempted to apprehend during the class and what kind of, uh, if there's a breakthrough that you could talk about in such a way to, you know, not reveal anybody's personal information. Yeah. I think there's one that's, is the person who is uh, working as oncology nurse and was feeling less fulfilled over the decade and a half of that work after all the training and so forth, and was paid very well and was 
doing very well and was very well rewarded and yet didn't know why there wasn't fulfillment and didn't know what else to do and came out of the workshop with the realization, the awareness that what they wanted to do was spend 80% of their time working with the patient in a consultative way and helping them in a therapeutic way and and not uh, 20% of their time and 80% of the time administering the drugs and the paperwork and all that other stuff. So their case, it was a it was an opportunity to really change careers and go back to and work towards a therapy degree to go back and pursue that. I was intrigued by the information that Bill shared here, and I wanted to gain a deeper understanding of the process that he'd been describing. So to achieve this, I suggested that Bill conduct a follow-up interview and discussion with Nicole Longbine, the oncology nurse from his workshop whom he had previously mentioned. What follows represents the collaboration between Nicole and Bill. Let's bring on our special guest. This is Nicole Longbine, a workshop participant from Esalen who met you. Um, Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi, so happy and so excited to be here. I think it would be great if you two could talk a little bit about what the workshop was like and the work that you, Nicole, did while in, while in Bill's workshop. Sure. Somebody actually asked me just now how I chose that shop workshop, and I think it was really just the universe choosing it because my daughter and I chose it based on timing with her spring break. And I thought, okay, there's a workshop. Sounds kind of interesting. Let's just go. And if we don't like it, at least we're going to be on this beautiful property at Esalen. So that first night that we sat in the class, we both looked at each other and we're like, wow, this is kind of just meant to be like, we had no idea that we were going to do a deep dive into searching for the answers to the deepest, most confounding questions that we have about our lives at, at that point, the timing could not have been more perfect. And Bill was warm and he was friendly and very accessible. And, you know, at the end of the workshop, basically it launched me in the trajectory that I am traveling very happily in right now. Thank you for that, Nicole. Appreciate it. And I think that Nicole was like me as a seeker searcher that many years ago, where something wasn't working quite right in life. And what was astounding, I think, to me about uh, the process Nicole went through is that she was really understanding what the intersection of her personal life and professional life looked like and what potentially would make her more satisfied and, and more happy in life and, and, and feeling more, I guess, intentional in the work she was doing. And I think she got some great answers to that. We, over the course of the weekend, we take on a lot of questions. So this is a roll up your sleeves and challenge your both sides of your brain in a, a number of ways. And, but I was really struck by the insight that she had. And, and maybe you want to speak to that, Nicole, because it, it certainly stayed with me and was, uh, I think, really indicative of what's possible with the work. Yeah. So in the class, I think you mentioned, I forget, you'll have to remind me, Bill, who the who the quote is from, but that the left brain is considered the faithful servant. And then the right brain is the the sacred gift. Yeah. And I remember I stopped you outside at one point and I was like, you know, I I don't have a problem with this. I have the right brain. Like that's kind of how I operate. And I feel like I've kind of crammed myself into a left brain world because that is what is honored and that's what's sought out in our society you know someone who can think logically somebody who can be strategic and somebody who can do things in a linear fashion and get things done and then i think that the right part right brain side of me has always been suppressed in various ways and at various points in in my life including by my own self And so I remember thinking like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like if I have access to the right brain, but it's suppressed, like what, what am I supposed to do with that? Let's just say in my job as an oncology nurse, there's not a whole lot of room for creativity as, as a nurse, you need to faithfully and consistently apply protocol to your practice because safety is number one for patients. And it's dangerous to be creative as a nurse. You can't just do whatever you want, whenever you want. 
And so I thought, like, how am I going to apply this creative side of me to a job and a career that I really, really love? And I remember when we were down in the hot tubs, Bill, you're like, start from where you are. And I'm like, what? Is it really that simple just to start from where I am? And you're like, yeah. And, you know, you told me that I basically had a built-in audience of people who could really use this technique, this technology that you were showing us to tap into, you know, the kind of more intuitive side of, of our existence in the form of our patients uh, who are suffering for all kinds of reasons. And then, you know, also we were kind of coming out of the tail end of the really difficult part of the pandemic. And so I thought, well, you know, this could also apply to our staff as well as our patients. Well, I'm excited to see and hear, witness this process that the two of you will be embarking upon. Do you feel ready to do this, Nicole? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. I got my little notebook. I got my favorite pen. I'm ready. And I haven't talked to Nicole since the workshop. Since then, I've made some big, bold moves and accomplished some really important things. And now I'm kind of like, okay, like what's next? So well, wait, is- wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I want to hear about those things first. <laughs> uh, I want to hear the synopsis about the good stuff before we potentially explore for more good stuff. Right. Okay. So, so what happened was after I took your, your class, I thought, oh, you know, that was so amazing. Um, and then I thought, well, um, what was it Bill's class or was it the magic of Esalen? Well, you know what, let me, let me just go down to Esalen again and see like, you know, where, where that actual magic came from. Was it, was it actually internal or was it just the land? And so the second time I went down there in June of 2022, I went down without a workshop and it was just, what is it called? The doing the self, oh, the Mm self-guided. So I did the self-guided and it was just my husband, Jason and I, and I sat down at an opening circle that was run by JJ Jeffries. And, um, during the meditation at the time that I, in June, when we went down, my father had died and we, we had a really, just a really traumatic thing happen to us as a unit at work. We had a patient who passed away in the lobby and it was, um, you know, we're an outpatient unit. So we're, we're not, a we're not equipped to, to deal with these kind of code blue type situations, but he had collapsed in the lobby and um, they called a code and we, you know, our team, tried to resuscitate him but in the 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 moment was so chaotic and so so frightening and he ended up dying which was terrible and he ended up dying in front of his wife and his his daughter and I thought like god like this is like terrible I'm like a terrible nurse I'm a a terrible like wife mother everything terrible human so in that moment of sitting uh in the the circle you know I was feeling incredibly unsettled and, you know, he was, you know, JJ Jeffers was leading the meditation and, you know, towards the, towards the, the middle of it, I was like, you know, I'm not doing this right. Cause I'm still thinking, like, I cannot stop thinking about things. And, you know, every time I would close my eyes, I would think about how I couldn't get that damn suction machine to like work. And I'm like, you know, how, like what, you know, the, the moment that was so chaotic and, you know, all these other thoughts about, you know, my siblings and I and the conflict that we we're having surrounding the care of my dad and like the details of taking care of his estate afterwards. And then like towards the end of the meditation, I had this feeling of being settled and calm. And as soon as I noticed it, it was gone. And I thought, man, like if I have to come down to Eslan every time I want to get this feeling, like that's going to be pretty expensive. So let me see if I can do some more research on meditation as a, another technology to kind of tap into the inner wisdom. And so I enrolled to become a meditation teacher with the David G Meditation Academy. And I just graduated a couple of weeks ago when as a certified meditation teacher. So th- those are the big the big steps that I've taken since then. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. to you, Bill. Wonderful. And so the question, maybe an entry point in the show, it's a good example maybe of how this process can be helpful is we turn over this traumatic experience that you had and maybe turn that over to the right brain and see if there's some wisdom, some insights for you that might exist around 
how you feel about that, what could have been done differently, or just or just see what else is there. So if you maybe that's a, a good way to, to jump in if you got pen and paper handy. And so the question that I would ask you and and I'm always agnostic as to where a good insight or breakthrough comes from, left side or right side or both or and scientists would also say to bring some clarity here is that, you know, there's still so much that is unknown about the brain, whether it truly is one hemisphere versus another, or the, uh, we, we know that we use all of our brain all of the time. They're still learning about the various functions inside the brain. So th- whether you interpret this literally or metaphorically, if it's helpful, I always say use it. If it's not, discard it. So the question I would ask you first, Nicole, is when you think back to that experience with that patient, maybe with the pen in your dominant hand as a prompt, what... Is there anything that you perhaps would have done differently in that experience or any anything that comes to mind in retrospect now that you have a few months of distance and some perspective? And then write down whatever answer comes to mind. Now we're going to attempt to activate the right side of the brain. And so the way this works, there's quite a bit of coaching that goes along with this, but we're gonna do the abbreviated version here since Nicole has done this now dozens of times already, probably since April. So with the pen in your non-dominant hand, uh, just let go and let your brain flatline without judgment. Um, don't necessarily think about anything, just be in that state of flow and allow for you to hear the question and then allow it to flow through your neural pathways to your non-dominant hand and onto the page in response to the question. Question is, given the benefit of time now and the perspective with that patient who passed in the lobby this summer, is there anything that you could have done differently or any other wisdom that's uh, coming to bear here that that will help you or help your understanding of that experience, write down whatever comes to mind. Okay, and then um, perhaps you can share, Nicole, what you've got and um, if you'd like from both sides or or whatever insights may have uh, come up for you. Sure, so, With my dominant hand, I wrote down that I I would have wished to be more present in the moment. Um, and I would have wished that I had known, you know, had more time to practice with the suction machine or and just been a little bit more prepared for an event like that. And then with my non-dominant hand, this seemed to kind of come out of left field because I don't know if it really answered the question, but this is what came out that. I would have wanted to be the one that was sitting with the wife and the daughter rather than um, part of the crew that was actually working on the patient, because I think that that's probably where my strengths lie. I don't think that I'm a really, I don't think that I am the type of nurse that really enjoys the kind of high adrenaline crunch time nursing. I, I really like the more softer kind of emotionally based caring and then the other thing that came out of the non-dominant hand was that I realize now that the level of awareness that I had at the time was a, very different than the level of awareness I have now. And because of that, I'm able to offer myself a good measure of forgiveness and compassion for that person who was going through the, the, the really stressful traumatic code situation. And that also the perspective of struggle and discomfort actually being a compost for self-knowledge and and growth to come from. Yes, I don't think I've ever thought about that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And for each of us, the the power of using this process is, is the value that we get from the insights, the wisdom that flows forth. So each of us can be the judge of whether that's helpful or not. So when you look at what came presumably from the right side of your brain, that and the right side is known as the more intuitive, spiritual, artistic, creative, problem-solving, 
um, higher consciousness. To me, it sounds like that answer feels like a much different quality of than the answer you you got the first time. And it also seems like from your insights at the workshop that you've made changes in your life to align with more uh, of the working with people versus being more of the administrator of healthcare drugs and and or uh, processes. Is that true? So you, you've kind of already realigned in the direction you want to go in. Yes. The workshop, the initial workshop revealed the fact that I, well, let's just say that the initial workshop that I took from you in April of 2022, that gave me the answer of what, what was, what was wrong in my life. And it was that there was a misalignment between the work that I, the role that I thought I was playing at work and my desire to use what I perceive as my greatest gifts in a place that I spend the majority of my life and that I've dedicated, you know, a lot of time and energy to. And so the next question after that was like, well, like, what, what am I, how am I going to do that? Like, and now I know what the, the goal is, right? Now I know what the answer was. Like, I know, I know why I was like so unhappy, but then what, what, what was I actually going to do to alleviate that unhappiness? Like, how was I going to address it? And I do feel like going on to get my certification to become a meditation teacher. I do feel like now, not only do I have something that I can offer that's appropriate in the setting of healthcare so that I'm not, you know, going rogue and doing all these treatments that are, you know, not prescribed by a doctor, or I do feel like there, I have something that I can offer to my patients and to my, my team that is in alignment with who I feel like I am as a person. Our podcast today is brought to you by BetterHelp. I've been doing therapy since my late 20s. To me, therapy is everything. You know, it really is. It's helped me get through some of the roughest times in my life and live my life more truly. BetterHelp provides online therapy directly to you at a price that's more affordable than traditional offline therapy. So it's a great way to invest in yourself without breaking the bank and just kind of experiment with talking to another individual whose only job in the world is to help you unravel yourself and take a look at your defenses. When you sign up, you'll match with a therapist according to your needs. And who knows, it might take a few tries to find the right fit for you, so BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed. They have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash When they ask you how you heard of BetterHelp, be sure to type in Voices of Esalen. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful gift to yourself and a, and a wonderful insight to occur because I've, I've met so many people in life that are just kind of stuck, for lack of a better word, in some part of their personal life or professional life. And there's a reason for it. Uh, scientists would say that we get N-cultured, E-N-cultured in habits and routines, meaning that it's it's we get so dialed in uh, that I guess it's why think outside the box is also the most overused hyperbole in business, right? Because we we say think outside the box because we don't know how and we get admonished to do so in corporate workshops, uh, brainstorming sessions, and and in fact we get more and more and more dialed in as we get older and we get and we're risk averse, change averse, fearful. And, and which includes me at, at 38 and not knowing how to change, how to adapt. And so this process I find is, is so valuable because that right side of the brain is connected to our soul's journey and has the wisdom to say, hey, here's, here's what you need to know, you know, in a, in a way that we can process it and understand it. And also in a way that it's not a, a total stranger or even a workshop leader or any a friend saying, Hey, Nicole, you should do this. 
it's because then it's like, okay, that's their point of view, but you know, what do they really ultimately know about me and my journey and, and what I'm here for and the, the lessons that I want to learn and the breakthroughs I need, all that kind of stuff. So thank you for sharing that. It may be also good to, if you'd like, given this big transition that you made is to look ahead and maybe task your both sides of your brain for what's next on the horizon and yeah. what might be coming up for you. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. And so I will add that the, you know, the, the technique that you taught us is so useful that I feel like I've almost not quite, but I've almost got this, um, semi-permanent link between the two sides. And so it's almost like, like I'll be writing. So basically the way that your technique has helped me quite a bit with my art is I, I have a sketchbook, one side, the right side of the sketchbook, the right page as it opens. Um, if I'm stuck, I'll put the pen in my non-dominant hand, which is in my case, my left hand, and I'll just start to draw whatever comes in mind. And then sometimes what will happen is that ideas will start flowing so fast that I will have to switch back to my dominant hand because my left hand just simply because of, um, you know, muscle memory cannot keep up with the flow of ideas that come. And so I think that sometimes when I'm doing this in a, as a writing exercise, even the thought of moving my pen to the non-dominant hand, the ideas already start to, to flow. So have you taken on a, n- a number of students as a, a way of integrating this process from the workshop, integrating it into their everyday lives going forward, use the to-do list, uh, spelled T-W-O, to-do list, meaning they put their, uh, they do it the traditional way and write down whatever is on their list for the day. And then they switch hands and more importantly, switch brains and uh, capture what is there on the right side of the brain. And typically those are very different uh, items, issues, qualities, and then and then I advocate that you blend those lists to figure out what what you actually want to do and make sure to include for that particular day. Have you had any experience doing that? Yes. So what happened was I was doing that, and then after after a while, the list was just the same no matter which hand I was writing with because there was such an integration between the sides. And and I do think that the the saying, you know, practice makes better is true because the more I made that list, the less I had to switch back and forth to get a, a consistent or a consensus from both sides. It wasn't like the, the left brain was still telling me to do like, oh, the laundry or like pay the bills. It's like the, the flow was coming evenly from both sides, even though I was writing with my dominant hand because I had created that bridge and, and kept crossing it over and over and over again. Um, so my to-do list today in November of 2022, and that's what, like six, seven months, like it's, it's been integrated. Wow. Fantastic. I, I think it, it's, to me, it's a bit like, you know, if we were to go into the gym and only use the right barbell, you know, at the, and, and if you've anybody that's had a broken limb where your one appendage is casted. You know how much that atrophies over the four, six, eight weeks, whatever it is. And so if I, I think of, of it as like going into the gym and using both sides. And it, it perhaps it's that way with the brain too, that we get so 92% of us in this country are right-handed. And I think we get so oriented to all that linear, rational, logical stuff because it, you know, for all the obvious reasons, it keeps us going and food on the table, gas in the car, so to speak, but it's, it's the, it's not as familiar going to the other side. So it is something that can improve with practice. And I've noticed in my own life, my intuition is way stronger now, 26 years later than it was initially. So I I applaud you for doing that because I think you'll continue to live a more intentional, authentic life, observing this practice and meditation is wonderful because that's only going to help you deepen your thought processes as well. Yeah. And also think that along with working out both sides of the brain, like giving the non-dom or the right brain a chance to, to speak and not be suppressed by, you know, all the usual suspects, you know, like your job and society, your family. 
I do think that it's it's a neural pathway that the more you use it, the deeper the groove becomes and the more instinctive it is to travel that groove versus just the traditional or the old groove of just accessing the left brain because the left brain will tell you what the practical thing is to do for the day. Well said. I think we grow up in, a, in that kind of world where we, that, that's what we know, that's what we've learned, that's what we've seen our parents do. Let's, let's focus on that, uh, the journey forward question and, and see if there is potentially a difference in, in the quality of, of answers or maybe the insight that might be there. So as you think of your life going forward from this point, the new skill set that you've learned and are now teaching, um, let's, let's just ask with your, through the conventional thought process, maybe with the pen in your dominant hand first, um, anything that you should be aware of or incorporate in that journey or be thinking about and reflecting about to make sure that is, you know, as good as it can be and you're, and you get the enrichment that you need and the insights that you need along the way. Okay, thank you. And so now let's uh, switch hands again and switch brains. And I, I like to think of this in, in, as the bonus round, potentially. I know in the work that I do, even all these years later, um, I almost always get an, an idea, a new possibility, a better thought, a different thought. And so for the, the return on time is, to me, is so valuable because what else can we do in 60 seconds, right, to literally activate that right side and allow whatever's there to come down for us right on demand when we need it. Because it's, you know, this is similar to the default mode network in the brain when we're riding a bike or listening to music or doing something different, showering, maybe we get those ideas popping in, but they're oftentimes not terribly convenient because we don't have a pen and paper nearby. If we're dreaming, we may forget. So what I've always loved about this is the on-demand nature of it, that we can make it happen on demand. So I'd like you to put the pen in your non-dominant hand and again, flatline your brain, no judgment, just allow whatever's there to flow through from the right side of the brain through the neural pathways into that non-dominant hand and onto the page. And the question is, um, okay, so looking ahead in your journey in life, Anything to be aware of? Uh, are there any insights? Anything that's going to help make your journey, you know, what it can be in, in this lifetime, all that you want from it? Go. Uh, oftentimes, when we're writing with our non dominant hand, the quality of the handwriting is horrible. Mine still is uh, 26 years later, and there's a tendency that kind of type A personality is to say, well, how valuable could these ideas be? Because look at that, the hand scratching handwriting that, so is it really a good idea or not? And so we can, <laughs> we can tend to dodge around those kind of things. But um, so we have to learn to get over that and even rewrite it if we'd like, or type it. I often encourage people if they get a really major breakthrough to take a dry erase marker and, write that insight on their mirror so they see it every day. But in, in this case, did something valuable uh, come up, Nicole? Yeah, some pretty different things. So the the, not, the dominant hand was like, well, you read up on the ancient texts, you know, develop content that's, you know, based on this ancient wisdom, you know, know your facts and figures, be prepared for whatever answers or whatever questions that people will ask that might be difficult, um, you know, be ready with, uh, resources so that you can refer out if somebody says like oh they have a question about some really really deep trauma that I, I don't like oh I don't I don't really know what to say to that and so it was a lot of preparation type work you know you know how am I going to prepare for this next step make sure that you have all these parts and pieces that are academic in nature and then with my non-dominant hand it was it was more like well you know keep a light-hearted um, and carefree attitude. And then, uh, let's see if I can read my writing here. Oh, and be confident that I can just be with the silence and stillness and know that the answer will arise. And the other thing that I came up with is 
that the struggles that I have as an artist after I published this one piece for my meditation class, I got a lot of feedback that other people have had similar experiences that they're, that they're, you know, right brain, that they're more creative, intuitive self was suppressed or oppressed by people who had their best interests in mind um, that going the creative route is, is dangerous. You know, if you don't go, if you don't become a banker or a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, that you're going to somehow fail and that you're going to end up under a bridge making art, but but that you're going to be homeless. And so I think that a lot of those, a lot of those comments that I got after I made that piece of artwork and explained like, you know, the, the journey that I went through to create that piece of art and actually share it with other people, it involved a lot of pushing through constrictions. And I think that what I would like to do is, to do something and I don't really know how or what, but offer some sort of service and not service in terms of a product or a, a, a thing that you could buy, but maybe like service as like my, my duty on this planet in this lifetime, offer something to other artists who are similarly constricted by whatever is binding them to not be able to create and not be able to be free with the way that they express themselves. Wow, what a beautiful reflection um, as an example of how we can go deeper on this because this is really about having a conversation with both sides of the brain with, as I've come to think of it is the sort of the conventional thinking being like the patient and a right brain maybe being the therapist or that source of higher wisdom or connected to our soul's journey, that higher consciousness. So we're able to get either strategic kinds of questions and answers or very tactical ones sometimes. So in that spirit, if you would go back to your non-dominant hand again, and let's ask a follow-up question there, because I, I think this could be really interesting for you. The, the question would be, again, with the pen in your non-dominant hand and reset and just see what's there. The question would be how. You mentioned that you would like to help people and other artists in their getting and achieving those creative breakthroughs. And you've seen how that's working in your own life. And you cited the, the need for confidence and stillness and that the answers will emerge so I want to ask your right brain is how do I help others in this, in this, in their journeys? Get something? I did. Okay. So I thought of this um, Instagram account that I follow called the writing desk. I, I love her posts because it shows her making some art in the background and then it has a voiceover or sometimes just like words, kind of encouraging words. And I like that because it it has all there. She has all these affirming messages, like you know, you can do this. Perfectionism is is not necessary. In fact, it's it can be quite um, detrimental in in releasing the the creative energy. But I think that what what that is missing is just like as an artist, just watching something on Instagram. If there's not an actual um, doing there's there's not an actual and there's also not a dynamic between you and another human being directly so I think that it would be really cool if I created some workshops and I could even I just thought of this too because the right brain is like wide open right now but basically some in-person workshops where people come and they don't necessarily have to be artists but they you know are somebody who has some sort of you know, constriction that's going on in their heart, in their minds. Um, and I would use art as the vehicle to free the right brain. And then maybe I can even do an exercise, you know, or have like workshops in which they do use their dominant hand to create something, but then they like also use their non-dominant hand to maybe start the process or help the process along if they get stuck. And it would be these these kind of projects with a nice start to an end. And then at the end, they would have this really cool piece that they could either bring home and display on their wall and they can give away to someone that they like. I like that. Thank you for sharing. I found that over the past decades, I've worked a number of times um, 
I think more with uh, writers who have taken on a, 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 an area where they were blocked or a story question or problem, and they've turned to their right brain for a solution and and gotten one and been you know really excited about being able to get that breakthrough. I, I know for me, in writing my own book, I, I really didn't plan on writing a self-help book, especially being in a career in banking and, you know, doing all of that, I wasn't like on my list at all. So it was really listening to my own right brain in my late 40s that where the idea came up, hey, write, think about this, think about teaching this to others. So like what you're getting is it would be a real idea was like how to helping people by teaching them this process could be a way of helping them in their own lives and maybe in some small way, way keep the world a little bit better place. And so I listened to that, even though it seemed strange to kind of take this other path. I was thinking I'd, you know, go on a nice long vacation, enjoy life and rebalance and do all that kind of good stuff after 30 years of hard labor. But uh, it, it was, you know, that came up and I, and it felt uh, very authentic to me and it felt like it was a valued purpose. But when I started living into it and trusting it, it I saw that there really was, uh, you know, it was something I thought would find really interesting. And I did the interviews and sort of one thing led to another. But I think your notion about trust and confidence and is, is, is important. And I, I think we shortcut ourselves too often and and don't trust ourselves enough. So this, the, the right brain can be a real great source of inspiration and confidence and pushing us in a direction because we, we can be doing this and listening every day. So it doesn't have to be you know, at a workshop. Once we learn this, we can apply it as often as we need to. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I think that ultimately what humans need and want is to be able to express themselves, express their true selves. And I think that a lot gets in the, in the way of that. And I think that, the, you know, having having somebody who says, hey, it's okay to express yourself, your true self. And here is a technique in which you can try it out. And I think that once people, like in your class, they try it out in like one area of their life and they kind of like, it, it allows them to extend it to other areas of their life. And I do think that, you know, one of the things that my meditation teacher told me was that you you transform the world by transforming yourself and you, it has to start with yourself you can't change anything else around you without first taking a look at yourself and and allowing that true self to come out a hundred percent agree with that i i learned uh transcendental meditation in college and I, I think it helped me along the way but and it's not a but it's an and i think it's it's like that is a big chunk of the way there but really being able to have, uh, I guess I, I needed something very tactile and being able to, you know, go to an on-demand method. So I think the combination of meditation and this process, it's, they work hand in glove and it's a, a really way, a, a really good way of, of opening up to many different possibilities and, and to really connecting with that soul's journey, which I think is so important because that is what really gives us that sense of uh, transformation and uh, authenticity and even happiness in life is when we're dialed into that and we're and we feel like we're in the zone so to speak yeah congratulations for your work in this area i'm I'm very inspired by it well you know i'm actually thinking about something um that just fell into my lap last week so my manager came and asked me if i would be interested in being part of a committee for Sutter Health East Bay. So Sutter Health East Bay, it has um, three hospitals in our system. And so they want to form a committee with our chief nursing officer uh, to try to increase the wellness of the staff because it's not, I think it's kind of a, a, a global thing in healthcare that staff are really, they're not doing the best that they can be mentally. And then I think that that overflows onto their physical, emotional experience. But I was thinking, gosh, well, I said yes to being on that committee, but I wasn't. And then, you know, my manager's like, I don't really know what 
what the committee is going to be like. I don't know what the time commitment is like. And I said, he said, are you interested? And I said, yes, I'm totally interested. But now I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe if there is an opportunity to use the ideas that we're generating in this session, gosh, like we can apply it to, you know, Sutter Health. Why not? You know, like if we could use art as a vehicle and, you know, the dominant, non-dominant hand as a vehicle to kind of tap into what is really going on inside people's hearts. Is there a way to alleviate that suffering internally versus like, you know, fixing this, that, or the other, like externally? Yeah. You just gave me a great idea. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) I think a question you may consider in that journey uh, with with those folks and clearly where we as in society are so grateful for all that the medical community did in support of us globally during the pandemic. It was, it was just unimaginable what everyone had to go through in the field to just keep, keep themselves going, keep the planet going. Um, it's to maybe ask the question, what do I need? You know, what do I need to, to be healthy, to, uh, to, re-energize myself and and just allow from that state of flow uh, from both sides of the brain to get to because to, I imagine the answers would be very different uh, from each side and and oftentimes the right brain can have some really surprisingly interesting sometimes it's the blinding obvious and sometimes not sometimes it is something very different that we may not have thought of otherwise so I, I wish you well in that um, I think it's a really important quest. Thanks, Bill. You're the best. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I, it was wonderful to have that experience and getting to know you and to stay in touch uh, on all this stuff going forward. So look forward to more stuff ahead. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot coming down the pipeline. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's show is produced in conjunction with Shira Levine. Our theme music is by Nico Holloman. Additional music by Mochas. If you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button, or even better, share it with a friend. Bill Donius will be at Esalen teaching his method May 5th to 7th, 2023, so go to esalen.org to sign up. While you're there, check out all our upcoming workshops in Big Sur. Until next time, be well. Be well.